0: On this week's Compete Everyday podcast, pro athlete Sonia Looney reminds us that we have only one life and why we have to do epic things with it. What's up, competitors? Welcome back to the Compete Everyday podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm your host each and every week here on the show and excited to hang out with you today as I welcome friend and pro athlete Sonia Looney. to the show to talk about her pregnancy, training as a pro athlete, being an entrepreneur, and most importantly, how she overcame those voices of doubt, of fear, of those things that creep into our head during any physical competition, during personal growth in times, the things that tell us we should quit, that we can't do it, we can't go on. Sonia and I discuss how she learned to get over that, how she silenced those negative thoughts, and most importantly, how you can too. As always, to get in touch with the show, drop us an email to podcast at com. And if you're not connected in the Facebook community yet, I wanna challenge you to jump in there, Facebook.com slash groups slash compete everyday. Our February squat challenge kicks off on February 1st, so we are only a few days away from building our strength, building our stamina, and knocking out a thousand air squats by the end of the month on a single day. That's right, we are gonna do a thousand squats by the end of the month on one single day spread out over the whole day but we're going to spend the next four weeks building our strength our endurance for that so if you're up for challenges we're doing a monthly challenge all year long jump into the Facebook group get signed up they're free the group is free to join we'd love to have you and connect with you if you're not in there already so jump in say hi introduce yourself and let's get to know each other so that I can learn how to best support you so that you win your work your workouts and your life this year now Let's get into the show. This week's guest, Sonia Looney, joins us. And now, let's roll. Sonia, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I had fun hanging out on your podcast, which is an excellent show. And so I've been excited to have you on the the compete show, so we could have a conversation. Uh, I guess before we dive in to more about your story and journey, and talking a lot of the the mindset and things we've done. Uh, on your show and and that you and I really just have in common in terms of how we approach life and the things we do. Uh, Give everyone a snapshot of what it's like right now, seven to eight months pregnant and still training all the time.
1: Yeah, so I'm 34 weeks pregnant and I show up almost every day, six days a week, and I ride my bike. And right now it's winter where I live, so it's in my garage.
0: I was about (laughs) to say, and not only like is it winter where you live, but like You're way up north, like north of the border, freezing temperature type atmosphere.
1: Yeah, it was like zero degrees Fahrenheit last week and it snowed a couple feet, but it almost makes it easier because whenever you just have to go to your garage, I have my bike set up in there, it it lowers the resistance to get going. Like if you have to actually leave the house, sometimes it makes it harder to go.
0: Yeah. So, what's that training like for you? Obviously, as someone that, that rides and, and races in your outdoors, being in the garage, um, I, I've seen pictures on your post. Are you doing, uh, how are you structuring your workouts? Uh, because I, I see some pictures of you in the bike, and it's very different than the people I see that have their Pelotons and, and they're in their garage and they're watching their screen. And so, what is that training session like for you?
1: Yeah. So fortunately I use a Wahoo kicker and I can actually put my actual bike on this device. You take the back wheel off and it has its own rear flywheel and it uses an app or multiple apps to control like how hard it's going. And there's a training program I use called trainer road. So I get to choose what interval workouts I want to do. And I've been doing a little bit easier interval workouts because I'm eight months pregnant, but I'm still pushing myself to a reasonable, reasonable amount And the thing that I love the most about indoor riding is that you really have to be super mentally engaged in what you're doing. And people might think the opposite, but it's hard to stay motivated whenever it hurts. So what I like to do is put some really good tunes on that motivate me and I close my eyes and I reach down way down into myself and, and basically say, okay, like how bad do you want this? And it actually gets me really fired up. And I use visualizations of what my goals are. And it isn't just for my racing. It actually helps me in my, the rest of my day to just be like, yeah, I got this.
0: I'm curious about that mindset because not a lot of people naturally have that. And so I know you grew up playing sports. Was that kind of the way you've always been where you could flip a switch and go into essentially the hole uh, mentally? Or is it something you've had to learn while racing and cycling?
1: It's something I learned when I picked up endurance sports, I played soccer and tennis growing up and I didn't find, I found endurance sports through running. Um, like at the end of high school and early college, but really, yeah, whenever I found endurance sports, it's just you out there. And when you're competing on a team there, there is a, a different aspect, you know, there's different aspects, there's different things that motivate you. But when you're by yourself, especially for like a hundred mile mountain bike race, there is nowhere else to go, but inside. So you have to really learn how to know who you are and how you can keep yourself going. And whenever you bump up against resistance or those feelings of wanting to give up or wanting to quit, how to keep going.
0: Do you remember your, one of your first races where that mentally was almost too much to handle? And and I'm curious how you dealt with that, especially maybe the first time that you felt yourself go into that place.
1: Yeah, actually it might be the opposite of what people think. So my first races were shorter distance. It'd be like doing a 10 K for a running race or something like that. And I actually wanted to stab holes in my tires. That way I would have an excuse as to why I wasn't doing so well. And you know. Whenever we start things, sometimes we're perfectionists and we're really worried about what other people think, and that was definitely me, and I wanted to prove that I was good enough. And I was I wasn't very good when I first started. So, knowing that I was going to be publicly, quote, failing was really hard for me to handle, and that was one of the first times I really remember thinking, okay, like I can quit and put my tail between my legs because I'm embarrassed that I didn't win the race or or even do well in the race, or I can finish and I can have a growth mindset and I can work harder and I can get better. And I can share that story, which is way more inspiring than someone who just shows up and wins everything.
0: It's interesting because not a lot of us have that conversation in our heads the first time. Uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, this conversation and what you just talked about, about, you know, I may not finish first, but I can still go all out and use that experience as learning reminds me of the conversation I had with Matt Fitzgerald about when he was got back into running and racing and focusing solely on, did I leave everything out there on the course? Did I do it the best I possibly could? And just focusing on that, not looking at his times, not looking at his placement, have you always had that growth mindset um, in uh, in all areas of your life? I know when we talked on your show, like I had a very fixed mindset in some areas and a very growth mindset when it came to athletics.
1: No, I, I didn't have it in everywhere in my life. In fact, I had to learn it in athletics. I had to learn it in academics. Um, I was the kid that was the smart kid in all the classes. Uh, even in, in un- my undergraduate, I did my bachelor's and master's in electrical engineering and everybody thought that I just was a smart kid and I thought I was too and then when I went to grad school I wasn't the smart kid anymore and I went from getting A's and being at the top of my class my entire life to getting it's it's funny in grad school two B's and a B minus actually is a 2.9 GPA and that was my first semester and I got put on academic probation and I had to have the dean sign something saying that they weren't going to kick me out of the fellowship program I was in. And that was really hard. And I I thought maybe I'm just not very smart and I had to work way harder than I had in the past. And even so, like working as hard as I possibly could, I still wasn't making the same grades that I was beforehand because it was just so hard.
0: Yeah. And speaking of, of that, from an academic standpoint, for anyone listening, it's not like you were taking similar to me. I was taking communications classes and advertising classes and business, which can be challenging, Uh, but you have a bachelor's in electrical engineering and a master's in electrical and biomedical engineering, (laughs) which is a whole completely other animal whatsoever. Um, And so I'm curious the lessons of going through some of those challenges in school, um, how they aid you now is really running your own show, running your own business and having to develop some of those growth mindset pieces.
1: Yeah. That's the funny part is I spent all this time in school doing, you know, hardcore sciences and now I do business marketing and communications, but what you really learn is how to manage your time properly and also how to manage your expectations because I was also working basically a full-time job and I was, I was training as a professional athlete through grad school. So I was really busy and I had to learn how to um, allocate time. And the thing that I've learned most from this is the busier you are or the more commitments you have to a point, the more efficient you get, because you only have a certain window of time. And I'm sure that people that have kids um, really can can yeah. you know, relate with this. But if you have a limited period of time, you're not going to be messing around nearly as much. And I noticed that whenever I quit my job and I started my own business and I was in complete control of the show, I was wasting more time because I was the only one who was in charge of my schedule. So now whenever there's, like if, if I have a day where I actually have face-to-face meetings with people and those are set in stone, then I'm more efficient with my time before those meetings. But if I don't have any meetings scheduled, I might waste more time during the day. So learning how to manage my time has and, and learning how to work hard were probably the best things I learned.
0: I, I love that. And, and it obviously translates because you have a number of different projects and brands. Obviously, you have your professional racing you host your own podcast, Uh, you do some outside, you know, writing for outside bicycling. I mean, you do a ton of blogging and writing Uh, you have your own apparel brand Moxie and grit that we'll get into. And then obviously you have a very focused community for plant-based nutrition. Uh, How did you kind of get the itch to start building this stuff while pursuing this athletic career? I mean, a lot of people are just so nose down from the athletic standpoint that They outsource everything, but you seem to embrace and thrive on the idea of running some of those pieces and creating things.
1: It was weird. Like, I actually just couldn't stop myself. So, I started, I'd say the first like content creation things I started, because I was still working as an engineer while I was racing as a pro. So, I was doing that, but I wanted to share my experience and I'm just a really open book. So, in 2007, 2008, I started a blog and I just started writing about racing locally in Colorado and what it was like to be a new pro and I didn't know that people even read my blog and then people started telling me oh I love your blog and I thought wow this is kind of cool and eventually I had shifted into working a marketing job (laughs) that's when I left engineering and people still wanted more from me so I was traveling the U.S. and I thought well I'll just put together my own speaking series because I really like public speaking and I really like helping people So I started my speaking career that way and just added a speaking tab to my website after that. And people started booking me. And then with like social media, that just sort of kind of grew out and you know, whenever that came about the 2000, early 2010s, I guess, um, and stuff just started evolving and basically it all evolved because I want to help people. And I just started listening to, well, what, what do people want from me? And like the same goes with the plant-based nutrition, like people just kept asking me for it. And My podcast was, I really enjoyed listening to podcasts and I love, I absolutely love learning and I love personal growth and I wanted to be able to share that with people as well. So it all, all the projects that I've done have started because it was what I was interested in and I just really wanted to share it and it's come, it's grown really organically. But the hard part is that I want to do everything and I always want to add in new things and it's, it's hard to, to not try to do everything because you really can't do everything as I'm learning.
0: Yeah, no, you can't, but but at the same time, you seem to have that common theme from a high-powered type, high-performance life and, and trying to integrate a lot of those things, which doesn't surprise me as much when looking at the education and the engineering of, of seeing how things tick and, and how certain things work and wanting to uh, maximize those things and obviously all areas of your life. I'm curious uh, in terms of maximizing those things because social media is all over the place now because from an athlete, you have to be active on social building that community and audience, not only for the racing, but your plant-based group. How do you keep your blinders on so that you may be learning from other athletes and seeing what they're doing, inspired by it, but you're not constantly comparing yourself to them?
1: Oh, it's really hard. And I don't think there's a magic formula. I think the best thing that people can do is Think about how you feel when you're online or whenever you just finished scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or wherever you like social media. There are times where I feel like I'm not doing enough because I'll see my competition doing all these training camps or especially now because I'm pregnant and I'm still racing all these people this summer. They're like in Tucson training their butts off and I'm not, I'm, I'm just doing the best I can with what I have. So if I look at what they're doing and I feel bad about myself, that means I need to not look at it. However, there's people that I look at what they're doing and I feel inspired by it. So you have to ask yourself, how do I feel whenever I'm looking at what other people are doing? And if you feel bad, whenever you look at someone's stuff, stop following them. And there's this weird, like social, like rule, you know, in friendships or in acquaintances that, oh, if, you know, if you don't follow somebody, they're going to be offended. Or if you unfollow them, they're going to be offended. And I'm guilty of that as well. Like people have unfollowed me and I got my feelings hurt. But it's important not to take that personally because it's, it's not always about you. So yeah, just making sure that you are looking at, listening to, you know, all of your senses are engulfed in things that make you feel inspired and not less than, but it's really hard to do because sometimes we actually go looking to make ourselves feel worse too.
0: That, that would be the, the truth as well. Uh, let me ask you on, on kind of a, a last note before we switch gears to learning a little bit more about some of the projects you have. What are things as someone that studies and is all about high performance life? You, you have it from an athlete standpoint. You have it from a business and, and a personal standpoint. I imagine that you're looking at how do I how do I be a high performing parent uh, when my child is here? There's a wealth of information and people listening to the show may listen to other shows or read some books and can easily feel overwhelmed in terms of how do I just learn, but I don't learn to where I'm overwhelmed of all this information. How have you gone about learning or finding the right people and books to learn from so that you're not taking information from everywhere, but you're constantly looking to learn and grow?
1: That's a great question, and it sort of just filters itself out. So, I'd say that my foray into mindset and and that whole that whole side of things came from people asking me, "How are you so positive all the time?" Or like, "You're doing all these crazy races, but you're still smiling. Like, how are you doing that?" And I didn't know the answer, so I had to reverse engineer. Well, why why am I so happy or so so positive or able to push through all these bad like not bad but hard things that are happening to me? So I just started studying positivity or resilience and just trying to figure out why I was built that way. And that kind of led me down, you know, you, you read one of these books and then you read, they'll talk about, the author will talk about other research or other people. And then you think, well, that's pretty cool. I'll go down that path. So it starts building upon itself. Um, I've noticed that lately there's kind of two camps that I'm really interested in. And I'm, I'm also been really interested in where they kind of cross. So there's like the cognitive behavioral therapy, psychology, like that side of thing. And then there's also like the mindfulness and meditation side of things. And they kind of run parallel and they do kind of intersect at a certain point. But um, like mindfulness is more about being aware of how you're feeling and what you're thinking um, and not being distracted by that and being curious about it. And then cognitive behavioral therapy and psychology is more about yeah, being aware of those, but then are you reframing it in a certain way? So it's, I, I'm still a little bit fuzzy on how I moving forward, want to cross those together, but it's, I'm just really fascinated by it.
0: That's, that's interesting to to hear, um, especially from those two kind of paths. how are you approaching the upcoming change in life with adding the child, um, into the equation, because that's going to throw a curveball in, in schedule and structure and training. And I'm curious how you've started planning that, because I would imagine if you are have an engineering mindset, you've already thought through some of these processes, knowing obviously some of it you'll have to figure out on the fly. But for some areas, there's ways to plan ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard because there are, the hardest part for me has been that there are a lot of things I can't plan I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. Um, another example is with my racing, I don't know what it's like to breastfeed. So I'm going to have to be pumping out milk, pulling over on the side of the trail and, uh, you know, potentially doing that. That's a logistic I have to think about. That's an unknown. Um, the, the sleep, you know, you don't sleep as much in the beginning and, you know, managing all those things. So I've actually been trying to plan for it by getting ready to have more uncertainty and to not have things go exactly to plan like I would want them to go. The things I can plan in advance for I'm doing already. And and that's usually content creation and just planning all that, doing it now. That way I don't have to stress about it later. (laughs)
0: We talked about this. It's okay for anyone listening. Uh my dogs go off at UPS and her dogs go off at UPS as well. Uh Sorry, guys. so <laughs> it, it, anytime you're on a podcast, you hear a dog in the back, it's probably mine, but this time it wasn't. Uh it's Baxter
1: saying hi, saying there's yeah, unknowns that happen.
0: Wanted to be on the show. How are you mentally handling the thought of the unknown? Because I know for a lot of us it stresses us out when unexpected things happen and and we we lose sight of what we're working on or what's important. How are you mentally practicing that preparation for you?
1: I think it's a muscle just like anything else. I've had a lot of uncertainty, like as a business owner, there's a lot of uncertainty (laughs) or whenever you're shifting careers, there's a lot of uncertainty. So learning that it's okay to feel that way and not trying to run away from that feeling and just say, yeah, this, this doesn't feel good right now, but I know it's going to work out. And having the confidence to say that I think that it it does take confidence to be able to sit with uncertainty, but the only way to get better at it is to put yourself in situations where you don't know the outcome. Racing is a really great example of that or, or sports, like whatever your sport is, when you show up that day, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. you there's, there's a, a time where, you know. Things could go either way, so being more aware during your day of when things are uncertain, and then how you felt afterwards, and then strengthening that, and just being aware of that, I think it really helps whenever you're trying to be trying to be careful, or or whenever you're you're trying to um, deal with those feelings. So it doesn't feel good, but you just have to believe that it's going to be fine.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about. Uh, some of the projects. I'd love for you to share a little bit about Moxie and Grit and kind of the passion behind it, um, as well as some of the products you have on there. I know that aid the plant-based community that you've grown just incredibly well online.
1: Thanks. Yeah, Moxie and Grit has been really fun because I've done lots of co-branded projects with my sponsors over the years. Where, like, the first thing was these socks, and they Can I can I use any cuss words on this?
0: Come on, bring it. We'll put the warning sign.
1: The the, the first sock was do epic shit. And it was with this brand called defeat. And it was a a long time ago, probably like six, seven years ago. And I said, let's make this sock. And they said, well, we can't put a cuss word on a sock. And I said, let's do it. Come on, let's, let's try this. And it became their top selling sock in the world. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm kind of good at this. And then I tried it with, tried a design with one of my apparel sponsors. And I thought, okay, like I've had lots of practice. Maybe I should just do this on my own. And the marketing job I had in the past was building a brand in the U S. So I thought, well, I'll just start my own. And that kind of, it's, it's been really fun. And well, well, I'll just start my own is kind of been a mantra that I've done all along. Um, and I'm kind of going off topic a little bit, but like with media i became a freelance writer because in cycling nobody was writing any media about the type of racing i was doing so i thought well i'll just i'll just start my own i'll become a writer and i'll start writing for magazines about the type of racing i'm doing or um podcasting like i wanted my own platform so i thought well i'll just start my own and so when it came for to apparel i thought i'll just start my own and the whole point of Moxie and Grit is i just want people to grab that pair of socks or that like we we make a few t-shirts, but it's mostly a sock brand. I want them to grab that pair of socks for that epic day that they're going to have for that, that challenge that they're taking on where they can feel so excited about that pair of socks and everybody's commenting on their socks. And it's just such a cool feeling, um, to be there for, with those people for their adventure and to know that something that I created is helping them along the way.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that kind of fire and attitude is obviously what's contagious to a lot of people as well. How, how did you get into plant-based dieting and, and that lifestyle? Has it been relatively new? Was it part of your athletic career? Was it something before?
1: Um, I actually got into it about seven years ago when my now husband, he wasn't my husband at the time. I had just met him at a bike race and he was eating, uh, plant-based foods at this race. And it was a seven day race. So you eat, you know, every meal together with all the other racers. So I asked him like, what are you eating? And how are you not eating? You know, how are you eating that at a race? Where's all your
0: meat and protein.
1: Yeah. So he told me about this documentary he watched and it was, this was in like 2012 and it was called Forks Over Knives. And he said, you should check it out if you're interested in just being as healthy as possible and preventing diseases in your life. And that was, you know, really important for me because I was really afraid of getting cancer or just dying prematurely of something. And if I could have control over that, that would be great. Yeah. So, I, so I watched this documentary and I thought, if this is true, I need to do this. So I gave it a try. And amazingly, um, I actually got faster, which I wasn't expecting. And there were hardly any endurance athletes that I knew eating that way. So I started like winning way more races and feeling really good and everything just was awesome. So I thought I'll just keep going with this, but I didn't tell anybody about it for like four years because I didn't want anyone to feel alienated by the way that I was eating. And I didn't want people to feel judged if they didn't want to eat the same way as me, but I was having such great um, results from it that I just wanted other people to know if they were interested so I started my own brand, Plant Power Tribe, and it's a, it's a Facebook group, it's an Instagram, and I published my first cookbook last year. And really, it's, it's just about helping people add in more plants. And we all know that eating more fruits and vegetables is good for you. And whether you want to be all plant-based or just partially plant-based, I just like being a resource for people because if you want to do that, I want to show that you can perform and you can be healthy and you can feel good. And if you don't want to do that, that's cool too.
0: I love it. And, and you have those resources on your Moxie and Grit website as well for anyone. I think you have a cookbook there, right?
1: The cookbook is there. And then they could go to sonyalooney.com slash eat if they want more on the rest of that.
0: I love it. love it. All right, Sonia, for anyone listening to the show that wants to get better connected with you, uh, obviously you have some major life changes coming up uh, and we'll be back into racing in the summer, but how can we connect with you uh, on your website as well as social? Where's the best place to find you?
1: Uh, Sonia Looney.com is the home of everything. And all my social accounts are on there, including my Instagram Sonia looney one. I've also been blogging about pregnancy and what it's been like as an athlete. So if anybody's interested in that, um, that's at Sonia slash blog.
0: All right. So what's your favorite social media channel?
1: Uh, lately it's actually been Twitter. I would say like I post the Circling most Instagram, back. but I, I like Twitter quite a bit. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, okay. I feel like it's it's making a comeback in a regard. I laugh that for a while I felt like it was just a bunch of people yelling at each other, and so I had to like go and change my entire following list uh, <laughs> back up. Uh, I still stick to Instagram myself a little bit more, but uh, sports for me, Twitter's a great place to hang out and, and connect. And I know a ton of athletes and coaches and, and people are really active on the platform. Sonia, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you sharing insights into your journey, the challenges you've faced and overcome, and and just taking time to hang out on the Compete Podcast today.
1: I love it. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.